listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast for May 21st, 2018. My name is Billy Newman. You can find more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can also see some more at Billy Newman on Instagram if you'd like to check that out. I'm trying to put up some more uh, some more content up on Facebook. I'm interested in trying to check out some more videos too. I'm going to see if I can try and bolster up my YouTube page, try and put some new things up there for uh, for 2018. But I thought I'd uh, try and do a quick podcast today and um, try and put down some of my thoughts about some of the things that have been going on recently. You know, just this last week, I thought I'd... Uh, give just a little update about it outside of photo news, but uh, I just uh, had the sixth anniversary of the Kelly Christensen Memorial Scholarship, which is a scholarship that uh, that I worked on with a couple other people, um, I guess now six years ago, back in, what was it, 2013, after, um, after an old high school teacher of mine had passed away. And so we, we put together a, a memorial uh, scholarship to support students and stuff at our old high school. And uh, it was great. We just had our sixth uh, scholarship evening where we gave out uh, a little bit of money for a scholarship to somebody who's uh, going to university next year. So um, it was pretty exciting, but it was kind of cool. And uh, I'm really happy that we got to we got to kind of participate in that again this year. And yeah, it was just uh, another one of those, um, I guess, kind of positive things that, that have sort of come to pass. So it was cool that uh, some people had helped out trying to put that together. And yeah, it's pretty neat. It's cool that... Uh, I don't know. We're we're giving a little bit back. I guess we've been doing it now for six years. Now we're going on seven, which is uh, which is quite a bit more than I was ever even at my high school. So it's uh, it's kind of fun moving through. But um, but yeah, this weekend I guess moving on from that. Uh, if you are interested in any of that, you can check out ChristiansonScholarship.org. But moving on from some of that stuff, uh, this weekend I did a photo trip up. Uh, well, I guess it was really just hiking. It's just kind of exploring, you know. But it's really uh, I guess part of, well the best part of it. You know, you're in town and. You want to get out on a Saturday drive or a Sunday drive or an evening drive now that uh, the sunset or, you know, the, the sky's bright up until, uh, I don't know, what is it, like uh, nearly 8 o'clock or so now? So that's pretty cool. I'm pretty happy about that part of it. But, um, but yeah, so we went up to uh, the Mackenzie River. So we went up Highway 126 out of Eugene and we passed Mackenzie Bridge and uh took the corner and went up a little way so i think we stopped at like the Sahaley falls area which is really it's it's nice uh especially right now a lot of the snow is melted you know we're kind of moving into late may and june and uh, so a lot of the snow up in the the mountain range is definitely melted out by now and there's a lot of those trails that are opened up especially along the mackenzie river but it's a really beautiful really lush uh well forested area up there uh in the cascade foothills and so it was fun um, jumping up into the mackenzie river area hiking on the trails for a while and uh, really man it's amazing to see just how blue and how crystal clear the the water is especially this uh, early section of the or the, the early part of the season where there's a lot of fresh water coming down out of the mountains. There's just, um, there's just so much. The, the water, the, the rapids are just so crystal clear uh, with like a blue-green kind of hue to the water. So that was fun. It was, uh, it was nice getting up there and to, to try and take some pictures for a while. But we were up there, I think, through a good part of the afternoon. It, it kind of sparked my interest, though, as uh, sort of a nearer by location that, uh, that I should try and spend some more time, uh, get up to the Mackenzie River, the upper Mackenzie River area and uh, see if there's some interesting stuff I can explore up there. But uh, a little additionally to that, I was looking at some of the river outfitters that, that are out there, and I was thinking, man, you know, I should really take a chance, and uh, I should jump on one of these, um, these uh, like, river day trips that they have that go down the Mackenzie, since it's really a section of the river. Uh, I've never been on the Mackenzie River or the Umpqua or the Clackamas or really a lot of these other uh, these other. Uh, 
bodies of water that are up here in northern Oregon. And really, as rafting goes, I've only done some stuff in southern Oregon. So uh, I was thinking about, man, I should really uh, try and put in some time on the Mackenzie River, uh, just given it how how interesting it is. How uh, I think really a lot of times it's uh, it's kind of considered one of the world class. Um, one of the world-class rivers to, to do a float on or to go hiking on. So it's really beautiful out there, but it was fun jumping up to the Mackenzie River and uh, checking some stuff out. I think this time of year in May, it's really starting to come out. It's really starting to pop a bit more um, as we're moving into spring and, and moving into summer on some of these nicer days. But, but yeah, some really beautiful stuff up there. Um, and then uh, I'm putting up some more photos from uh, like a commercial uh, tulip shoot that I did a while back. And I'm really glad I got to work on that. I thought that was pretty fun. I, I did it uh, for a job here at work where um, we had to get some marketing material uh, for some motorhomes. So we got a really, a really nice motorhome. We had it driven up to the the tulip farm, which is uh, at the Wooden Shoe. What is it, the Wooden Shoe Tulip Farm? The season's over now. I think it's kind of moved on. Um, but uh, for a while, yeah, while there was the the tulips growing, this was what like late April or so. We hit just a really beautiful, nice day, and uh, got a a, a motorhome and a truck and trailer up there, and spent the evening photographing it uh, as the light was changing, but spent it photographing it against Mount Hood in the background, which those photos turned out really cool. I was really happy about that. And then um, also spent some time photographing the the motorhome, the this. Uh, this new Mar Ventana. It's like a half million dollars to get a motorhome like this, but it was cool putting it up in the field and, and kind of laying it out as a landscape, uh, you know, against the the bright, colorful red tulips and, you know, different colored rows of tulips. So it was fun working on something like that. There's a lot of variables and shoots like that, but, uh, but yeah, that kind of uh, commercial shoot stuff, I really like. Uh, I really like them most probably or close to the most. I don't know. I like, um, I like kind of the simpler, well, I do like having some kind of structured event to sort of put in front of the camera. Uh, you know, like uh, there's there's landscapes, which are great, where it's just that kind of pristine wilderness that you take a photo of. And I really like trying to capture that. But but more than that, I really like trying to put some kind of object or some kind of subject in the photograph. That's what I'm learning now a little bit. Um, so uh, as rudimentary as it is, you know, something like a, like a cool motorhome in a picture at least for a commercial picture where it's trying to market motorhomes. Um, that's, you know, kind of the idea instead of just, just the, the flat horizon line ahead of you. I like, I'm trying to learn more about how to put something, uh, interesting in there. That's sort of the, the draw of the attention, but it was cool working on that, uh, that tulip photo shoot. Um, one thing that I learned on that, uh, tulip photo shoot though, was that, well, I spent a lot of the time working with the, the Sony a7R and I talked about on this podcast, maybe last summer when I was, uh, getting the a7R that it was a really cool camera. It's interesting. I like shooting with it. I like the, the high quality sensor that it has and, and the ability that it has to shoot in low light. But there's a, there's a select number of things that are really inadequate about the way that that camera performs technically. And, um, and just given that it's a camera from what, 2012, 2013, it's, it's just technically not as proficient as maybe it would have been, uh, at its time or, or I don't know, something like that. But, uh, but I think suffice it to say, I think I'm going to sell that camera body. I'm going to try and move on to something else. Um, and it's just sort of not for any personal or particular reason other than that I, professionally, it isn't working adequately as a tool right now for me. So that's a big thought about what I need to work on. But, uh, but I guess like a little more than that, or, you know, a little wider thinking of it, it's like, it's a really good camera, but I have a huge amount of issues with the autofocus on the a7R. And I also have a lot of issues with the way that the electronic viewfinder works on that a7R. Well, or on, on the early a7 line of mirrorless cameras that uh, that Sony produced. There's just too much of a gap, too much of a, a blackout period, uh, when you're trying to take, take, 
a picture or you know fire the shutter and uh, i don't have problems like that with the a6000 i don't have problems with that with uh, the a7 or a7r2 that I've, I've rented and tried out a couple times for images so um so i think what i'm going to do and also additionally maybe the most important point is that the price of an a7r is depreciating rapidly so i think what i'm going to consider is that uh, I'm going to try and sell the A7R off before the value of it depreciates too much, and then I'm going to try and um, invest that money back into another camera body that uh, that you know I'll kind of hopscotch a little bit. So two years ago I had, a, I had a Nikon. Well, actually, even just one year ago at this time I had a Nikon D3. Then I got you know an A7R, and now I'm going to try and kind of transition that money and maybe a little more into another kind of camera body and i'm considering trying out nike or excuse me i'm considering trying out canon now i had started with nikon i tried sony for a while and i'm uh, i'm considering now i think trying to move over to canon uh, to try and do some stuff for a while so it'd be interesting i think just to try it and to, uh, maybe it's just an idea of uh, trying to be more versatile or um, or i don't know just uh more professional, more able to operate a wider series of, uh, of equipment standards, I think is uh, something that's interesting to me. So I've worked with Canon stuff professionally for years in the past, you know, before, but, uh, but I'm interested, I guess, in kind of pushing that a little further and using it as uh, a sort of the professional tool that I, that I really lean against to try and get the professional work that I'm interested in. So, uh, so that's one of the ideas that I'm working on, but uh, I'm trying to move some money around and, and sell some equipment, sell some cameras and stuff so I can try and uh, put together a little, I don't know, a little pile of cash, put it all in the piggy bank at one time and then move in on, uh, on some nicer, probably used Canon body. And, uh, and I hope a Canon, you know, a nicer Canon lens that I can get started. And, uh, that would really be a, a, a big start to do probably a lot of wedding work or, you know, it's a pretty functional commercial, uh, camera. And, um, I guess what I, what I meant to say when I was talking about that tulip shoot and why it brought me into this point of maybe selling my Sony equipment is, um, I love the Sony equipment for the low light, like I was talking about and for, uh, some of the, the, the real specific use cases in landscape photography, but really as an all around camera, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that, that it lacks. And I'm sure maybe a lot of that's answered in a, in a Sony a7 or pardon, a Sony a9 or a Sony a7R3, one of those newer cameras that, uh, that has some of these issues specifically addressed. Because I think, I think a lot of photographers talked about how, uh, this was a complication in, uh, in the way that they would shoot. But what I noticed though, is I had a, I had a Canon camera with me or, or really just, uh, I guess for purposes of conversation, a standard uh, DSLR where it was, you know, a mirrored camera with the prism system. So I could see the subject, the whole time and then fire the shutter when I wanted to capture that that moment and I just had a, a much harder time getting the 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 autofocus system to work functionally and in simple situations it wasn't really dynamic focus that I had to chase it was just a landscape just focus wide out just focus do anything just focus and then it couldn't do it i'd miss the shot or i'd, I'd get a, a, an out of focus shot and i've just seen that happen dozens of times with the photographs i've tried to get with the, the sony camera and really that's just sort of like oh okay this isn't working i need to sell this it's a cool camera if i had to use it i could get a lot of things out of it over the last year i did use it and got a lot of things out of it but uh, but i think now uh specifically i'd really need to push on maybe buying um, or investing in higher end glass lenses and higher end uh, canon bodies so i don't know i'm hopeful to do some of that stuff but we'll see how it goes over the next month or so as i try and um, i try and do a little equipment swap it's a nice goal to have though it kind of keeps me focused on uh, on something at least but um, the other one i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out and so this is the the camera thing obviously photography is what i'm uh, i'm trained in and, and sort of the discipline that i've tried to seek out is uh, is what i want to do the most but 
and new media is really a big interest of mine too. And um, what I've been looking into with some of the some of the changing uh, media opportunities that we're going to have in this next decade. And you know, one of the things that we've not really been able to produce before, just one of the media types we've not been able to produce, even though I've messed around with it in sort of an amateur way, uh, you know, given a lot of the computer or computational photography that exists, but I'm really looking at 360 video. I've been kind of interested in that this for about two years or so, but I haven't really thought that the equipment or, or you know, just the camera gear was really there yet. But I'm really interested in uh, not necessarily 360 photographs as much, though that could be really interesting too, especially with a lot of the, what is it, HDR uh, well, HDR images, but also HDR screens that are starting to come out where you're able to display an image in a format with a wider variance of color gamut. It's really interesting how, you know, it just got a wider amount of black to white that it can show. And apparently that, you know, that can make a big difference to make things look, um, I don't know, look uh, a little bit more representative of, uh, of things that we see. And so I think, uh, I think when we're working with cameras like we do right now, the, the, the dynamic range is just so much less than our eyes that that's why we see, um, I don't know, that's why it looks poor, you know, when you look at something um, that was maybe shot in uh, a bright midday light. It just doesn't able to pick up the shadows and the brights as well. So it's kind of interesting new formats and, and new sensor technologies that we're able to get into that make things uh, just more expansive and... and um, I don't know, more capable. But as we move into 360 video, it's just real, a whole new threshold or 4K 360 video. It's this whole threshold of stuff that uh, I've not really worked on in media before. And I've not really, um, I guess what would it be? Like, I haven't rendered it. Or I haven't, I haven't brought a, a 360 video file. I haven't ever brought a 360 video file into like Final Cut Pro before. So I was trying that out this weekend and I had to upgrade a lot of stuff. I had to upgrade uh, my Mac to uh, Mac OS High Sierra, which has been out for a long time, but I've, I've been kind of delaying on that because I wanted to, well, I just had a stable system and I try and use my computer for work a lot of times. So I really don't try and do updates that I don't have to do with some stuff. And uh, I don't know. It's good that I waited six months to put ICR on it, but it runs fine. It runs stable. And really, I was most interested in trying to work on this 360 video project, which takes Final Cut 10.4, which is uh, where they bring in some of those features for 360 video and VR editing and production. So it was kind of cool trying to check out, but oh my goodness, is that 13-inch MacBook of mine really struggling when it tries to render out even just one minute of footage or when it tries to render in a, a 360 graphic element that's supposed to exist um, you know, in, in, like on a dimensional plane, it's interesting. You can put, you can like put text out into space in the three or the, the in the three dimensional. Well, not three dimensional, but in the three sixty space, you can look to the north, let's say, and see words that are printed or you know some kind of graphic that's laid out there and rendered into the frame. I guess is what you would call it, or or into the into the virtual environment it's just sort of stuck there and so as you look around as the video elapses you'll see you'll see this graphic object layered into the frame and uh, i can only imagine what kind of what kind of processing it takes to really produce some of those effects in the back end it's amazing that we're able to make what is it equirectilinear images equirectilinear i think is the format I don't know. It's one of the formats that you see. That's where you see like the stitching of the two 180 degree images sort of melded together. And um, it's really interesting looking at that footage. And I guess a phone is a pretty effective viewer for it in the, in the moment. But uh, I'm looking at other other stuff like the, uh, I think it's the Gear, not the Gear VR. Well, there's the Gear VR, the HTC Vive, 
There's uh, like the Oculus. I think it's Oculus, right? The Oculus VR. There's like a cheap one now. I was really impressed. Or uh, like it was like two hundred dollars. It was like one ninety nine to get uh, to get a screen and goggles um, to do some of this uh, three hundred and sixty video experience. And I'm trying to think about like vis- business ventures that are sort of attached to this with uh, with a new medium that's sort of approaching. Like I think a couple years ago it was uh, the advent of um, of aerial drone footage. You know, before then you had to get a helicopter and a gimbal, and that's a hundred thousand dollar shot to get to get aerial footage over your property or you know whatever it is. And so now it's it's just so much more. I don't know, possible than it used to be. I, I remember, I remember watching. Uh, I don't know. I think there was like a movie that had this gimbal shot, and they t- they talked about it in the, in the uh, you know the behind the scenes stuff where they had this cable camera that ran for like two hundred yards as it sort of swept in and uh, and sort of did this one shot through this long sweeping intro uh, into like this um, you know this big opening scene. But they had this big cable camera. It ran across a football field, basically you know a, you know a whole action field. And, it, and they pulled this camera across so it would be this smooth kind of gliding shot that was just a little bit, I don't know, 20, 30 feet above everyone. And they couldn't really pan it with just a crane. So they're talking about technically how they engineered this shot. And this was back in, I don't know, 1999, 2000. And now it's, it's just a, that's an amateur ability where you can get a drone with a gimbal and put it 20 feet in the air and have it follow in for 200, 300 feet and have a, a perfectly still... 4k image that that tracks in on a party or you know looks really um cinematic or you know any anything like that it's just amazing what kind of options there are now with uh, with the way you're able to develop media and so it's cool thinking about uh just the level or the simplicity that we'll be able to to work in rendering or work in producing 360 or virtual reality footage or drone footage 10 years on from now like um if you think about it for a moment like 10 years ago it was pretty hard to to drop in high, like high definition footage onto your laptop or computer uh to like render out about 2008 april 2008 may 2008 that was still like a pretty common there was it was starting to happen hd or you know amateurly recorded hd footage was starting to happen but really it was it was pretty rare to get hd cameras on the market for inexpensive prices uh in that era it was still all standard definition stuff i mean while i was in college uh doing new media stuff all the camera project or you know all the video projects that we worked on were all in standard def it was really a, a an interesting invention that we switched over to 16 by 9 for for a lot of the you know the, the standard output of a lot of the files that we'd render when i started uh the first camera like the first camcorder i was really working with uh was a was a canon xl1 in like the 2002 to 2006 7 era and uh, man a fantastic camera i think there was like a lot of documentaries that were put together that you know it was a real workhorse kind of professional camera and i was really fortunate to be a person in southern oregon getting to work with that level of video technology back uh in the early 2000s it was it was really a, a cool opportunity that i had um and then kind of thinking about that now just uh, the level of like wow okay so we moved on from standard definition we moved on from the four by three aspect ratio we moved on from tape media or from avi capture files and you know capture card systems and so all that's kind of uh transitioned into a much simpler uh h.264 prores file systems the, the you know digital file systems that are easier to upload easier to to write to a, a computer and uh, amazing what processors can do now too just in the in the the level of of work that they're able to output and what's interesting is like um, this so 10 years ago the difficulty of rendering hd footage that we had that's similar to now 10 years later in 2018 the difficulty i'm having 
trying to render out this 360 degree footage that's uh, that's been recorded and uh, it's just so much you know you imagine it's like a, a an hd video in front of you now this is a 4k video that's all around you and uh it's just seems like you know it just seems like dozens more um i don't know it just seems like a way bigger file to render out i guess that's really what it is 4k files are real big and for this virtual reality 360 thing it really seems like you need that level of resolution so that when you look in any particular spot uh you know through like a vr headset you get a full resolution image from that that single vantage point that you're looking at and um when I was talking earlier about ventures or you know business ventures that I'd like to incorporate into the 360 video idea, I was really thinking a lot about like um, like wedding photography events. So you know there's there's wedding videographers, but I'm thinking now with um, with like the release of the just this season the release of the the GoPro 360 Fusion, which has um, I think it's like an integrated digital gimbal support. So as you as you move the camera around through three dimensional space, uh, the the camera kind of digitally re- reacts to the motion that you've created, and so it sort of stabilizes that. So I guess consider you're you're walking and you're taking steps, and so you you kind of have a, a a trot to the the motion of the camera. Well, I guess apparently this gimbal is supposed to this digital gimbal doesn't mechan or it doesn't you know work in the real world but it just it takes the video file and it i guess it's able to gimbal it whatever that means but it's able to smooth that out and uh, stitch it together so that uh, you know you kind of lose a lot of that shakiness to the video i guess they've had stabilization for years but uh, apparently they're they're explaining at least that it might be a different level of it so it might be an interesting thing to check out but what i was hopeful to do was um you know try and do something where you'd you'd record uh, like a, a 360 video of let's say like a wedding ceremony and then as a as an offer to a bride and groom you you give them a headset and you give them the 360 experience so that they can either i guess give that to family that wasn't there perhaps really that's just like a facebook opportunity in, in a big way like because you can just share those videos um uh, you know share those videos online and, and kind of see them uh, digitally through the browser which is a really exciting thing about social media sharing youtube 360 facebook 360 and I think Vimeo 360 are all video sharing platforms where you can you can view that content um, in a browser. I think Chrome works the best for it right now. I had a lot of trouble in Safari viewing 360 browser stuff, but um, but real interesting stuff. And it's been kind of cool. I was trying to think though, yeah, like oh, it'd be cool. Yeah, set up uh, for the you know set up a 360 video, and then years from now you can come back. It goes a big truck, but years from now you can come back and and uh, like put on goggles or, or view just everything that was happening at a wedding but it's a really immersive experience i thought it'd be kind of cool so um i guess all that's to say i rented a uh a gopro 360 fusion i think it should be here this week so i'm going to try and run through and, and put together like a portfolio of 360 images and uh, and 360 videos from a lot of the locations uh you know a lot of the natural outdoor landscape locations that i've uh, sort of come to learn about over the last 10 years of doing uh, landscape photography across oregon and the northwest so i'm hopeful to try and do that over like the memorial day weekend i think it's going to be kind of fun uh trying to hit it hard